Hello everybody, what's up? You're listening to I Was Just Wondering with Tom Salmon, the podcast that dives into music, film and games and everything else in between. My guest on this week's episode is Shinzi Zhu, who directed her latest short film Kindling, starring Jill Renner and Nicole Falk. The film tells the story of childhood best friends Piper and Celeste, who are forced to reassess their relationship as they drive across America to a small-town abortion clinic. We jumped into Shinji's experience growing up in China and falling in love with filmmaking by secretly watching films on her iPod Nano, how studying psychology at UCLA influenced her approach to storytelling, and what's it like writing a new feature film screenplay in the era of COVID-19. So, if you're running, stuck in a traffic jam, or sitting behind a desk at work, hope you enjoy my interview with Shinji. Okay, so uh, welcome to the podcast. Um, we're here to talk about your latest short film project, Kindling, which is screamed at the Palm Springs International Film Festival, Indie Shorts, and the USC First Look Film Festival. So before we jump into Kindling and your creative journey so far, who are you and what do you do? Um, my name is Xin Yi Zhu. I'm originally from a southeastern Chinese city called Suzhou. And um, I'm now currently based in Los Angeles. I'm a filmmaker, mainly a writer-director. I've kind of come a long way. I've, um, as a kid, I studied a lot of arts, mainly sketching and drawing and Chinese painting. And then um, I switch to psychology um, for college. And then I, before I became a writer director, I also did a lot of production design as, um, as a profession. So here I am and that's what I want to do, I guess, going forward, writing, directing. Um, so I want to take you back to the very beginning of your filmmaking career. Um, so I read that you like to uh, download and watch films on your iPod Nano. And I just wanted to know what was the first film you watched? I think like when I was really, really young, I watched films, but I didn't really have like clear memories. My first like really strong memory of a film, which I watched on my iPod Nano, apologies to the filmmaker, was... The Doors by Oliver Stone. And I I think I watched the film because I started listening to The Doors and I loved The Doors. I didn't love the film, but I watched it like right. more than 10 times. <laughs> and yeah, I don't know why, just like as a teenager, you get crazy about things you're obsessed with. That was the first film. <laughs> I just sort of like wondered in terms of what influence did American and, and British cinema as well have on you growing up as a child in China? Um, I think it's really interesting because when I was in middle school and high school, um, what like the Chinese culture is strongly tied with my school and my parenting. So like as a teenager, I wanted to kind of like get away from it and seek outside things. And then, you know, like British like cinema and literature and music and American cultural stuff, they are very much like the 
the the like the symbol of liberalism, mm. <laughs> something like that. So as a teenager, I was very much influenced by that because I I felt like that's where I can kind of like break free from the surveillance in right. China, like in my family, in in the entire country. But then, um, then after I left China, I kind of started to realize like, um, it's like, it's, it's not that I can't just run somewhere to seek mm-hmm. freedom. And like, I more and more realized my root is still in China. Um, so right now it's like the con the, the contrast I'm, watching a ton of Asian films, reading a lot of Chinese literature, almost exclusively Chinese. Um, Yeah, so it's really interesting. Like, I'm tracing my roots back to where I was. And, like, I even, like, looked for specifically um, literature that was written in my dialect Mm. not just in Chinese I just wanted to be that specific to figure out why I why I'm interested in certain topics is that tied together with my growing up with my hometown and stuff like that but I would say as a teenager I was very I was heavily influenced by um by American and British cultures more of like from 60s and 70s 60s and 70s culture yeah but not I didn't really listen I didn't really pay much attention to um, music later on maybe films later on for sure and I just wondered from because it seems to me that that was sort of an act of um, rebellion in a way and in terms of can you specifically remember what type of or a specific British film or American film that you were particularly drawn to at that point I think, um, so my, I feel like my urge of starting to write and direct comes in like different from other people. It comes, it came in quite late, like in while I was doing psychology in college. Um, cause back when I was a high schooler, I was in a band mm-hmm. and so I was, more influenced by the music than the films and the films I loved were like about like about the bands um okay. I remember I really liked Across the Universe mm-hmm. and um what is I think it's called Control it's yeah. about Joy Division yeah I really liked Gus Van Sant's movies although that was not music related but I think just any things that had um, things that I guess things that that are out of the box of my traditional upbringing, Mm -hmm. I guess, um, like rock music, psychedelic drugs and um, LGBTQI culture, stuff like that, that like it was all. It was not just me, but also like people I'm with in the band scene. Mm. We were we were watching and listening to the same stuff. 
similar stuff. How easy is it, I mean, in terms of uh, to get hold of that type of material? And also, um, how did your parents, I mean, I'm assuming your parents, did your parents know that you were listening to rock music, that you were listening to sort of progressive, independent um, American and British cinema? And how did they feel about that at the time? Um, so my, my mom is a teacher and like throughout my entire life, she, she tries, she kind of tries to guide me to the, um, more Chinese. My, my mom is a Chinese, like a language teacher. Right. Um, so they were definitely not that excited <laughs> when I, when I was doing that. I remember cause back then we still used, maybe I was just old school. I used a lot of CDs and DVDs. And if we had Blu-rays back then, I had Blu-rays. I would like, I was, especially in middle school, I, I, I was not in a band yet and I was not that social. I would just like go straight home, um, right after school and just play the music really loud and dance or whatever mm. and my mom would get home and get really mad at me but it was but I also like that was like the um, dilemma of me because I also studied really really hard so mm. I was a I was a like a top student in 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 my class in my school even um, so my mom didn't really have much to say, like, as long as I keep my grades up. Um, and with movies, they were really against me watching movies. Um, I don't know why, maybe they thought that was the pop culture. It was not classic something. Right. That's why I only watched movies on my na iPod Nano, because I had to download quite a few, like... Mm. Like every weekend I get like a couple of hours of allowance on the internet. So I just download all of them, secretly put them into my Nano and watch them throughout the week. Um, but with the DVDs, I remember I watched a bunch of silent, like I sneak out like at three or four into the living room and like play the movie on on silence. Wow. I remember I watched um, Never Never Look Away, Never Go Away, and um, Gus von, no, not Gus von, Lars von Trier's right, uh, yeah. Melancholia. Mm -hmm. Melancholia. Yeah, I, I didn't have, with the DVDs, my choices were more limited. I couldn't, it was just whatever was on the market. That's interesting because it seems to me you were, in terms of sort of like filmmaking, guess me, Lars Montreux again is another sort of like very well, very provocative filmmaker and some of the sort of stuff, and especially Melancholia and Antichrist. Um, it's interesting that you were drawn. Yeah, to Antichrist. That. So much. It's interesting that you were drawn <laughs> to that because even in sort of like British or sort of American or European filmmaking, they're they're seen at the sort of like furthest. Um, lengths of that like that's not particularly sort of like mainstream so it's interesting that your tastes um didn't naturally gravitate to the most sort of palatable things like blockbusters or, or rom-coms it was definitely the more sort of like experimental um sides of cinema or extreme sides of cinema and i just wondered was there a moment in terms of when you were growing up you can locate that where your sort of taste 
uh, formed around that and why you why you felt drawn to that particular um, work more than, say, I guess, more mainstream stuff? I think... Uh, I think it maybe, maybe it started with literature. Mm. Um, I remember my taste in... Because my mom, like, forced me to read a lot. She would buy me a lot of books. And I was kept... kept kept at home a lot um, after school or on the weekends. I don't really get to play in the playground and stuff. So I'm really bad at sports. Um, but uh, I, I remember as a kid, like in elementary school, I was still listening to like pop music and reading mainstream stuff. But I think like narrative literature, uh, fictions, fictions were my way in because it's easier to, it's easier to encounter something, um, that is not so boxed in, Mm. in like words and like my parents wouldn't really detect that. Um, I remember I started reading, I also started writing a lot. That was so far from now. Um, there was a book about this disabled girl. She she's blind. I think Helen Helen Keller. Maybe? Yeah, yeah. It was a really famous book. Yeah, yeah. I I read that, and for some reason, I thought of suicide, and I think I wrote like a short like a short story about suicide Mm. and submitted it to like, my mom wanted me to go to all these writing competitions and I had that. So I just used that and like that piece would totally get banned, get banned now in China, but not back then. It was a lot. There was actually a lot more freedom back then. Um, Yeah. So I started writing that and I remember um I in middle school because of my friends around me I started reading wuxia novels as well that was like uh Chinese kung fu and it's like another universe like Chinese kung fu fantasy novels where there's a lot like blood and like twisted love and (laughs) just very weird relationships um, and I started reading Nietzsche right. in middle school as well. That really changed my world. I was, it, it completely opened another universe to me. Mm. And along with Nietzsche, I think, uh, Nietzsche went along with, um, the doors and Pink Floyd. Right. And there was a movie that really haunted me called The Wall. Yeah, I think, I think just, just cause like I, because I was not really allowed to just straight up watch movies. I can't just browse the internet and find movies for a long time. But what I could do is go to a bookstore and spend a long time there. And my parents would be fine with that, but it, there was a large variety of things that I could explore in the bookstore. Mm. So I think it 
started there. Okay. Um, so I just want to sort of jump to 2013, 2016, where you mentioned that you were a psychology major and you were minoring a film. Um, can you tell me about the the short film you made, Godmother, in 2015, um, which is a short film you made around that time? And I believe it's like an adaptation from The Godfather. Yeah. I don't know where you saw that. I have no idea <laughs> where. Like, I, I, didn't, I don't want that video to be seen anywhere anymore (laughs) (laughs) but um yeah it was kind of like a we had at ucla we had like filmmaking groups societies Mm. and we just help each other make really tiny movies just based on interest i remember like nobody really wanted to be to seriously become a filmmaker, but we all had some interest in that. I actually remember um, me and there's another person on the crew of Godmother. We we got reconnected quite like lately. Right. Um, he just got into USC film school, so he got in touch with me. I think like he and I are the only two people who went on. Mm to pursue filmmaking, actually. Nice. Um, it was a, a silent, silent movie. And I, I think back then I wanted to because Godfather gave me impression that it only used black and white and yellow. Right. So I wanted to, it's just like the mood, the, the impression that it leaves. Um, so I wanted to experiment with using only black and white and red. And I thought red is a very woman's color. Cause I, I'm not sure why maybe I liked red and it's, it's the color of blood. Um, uh, yeah. And, um, Godmother is the world when there's only, women as real characters and whenever there I think there was like a a man character in there but he was like he was just like a so there's a scene that's a baby shower and he was just a baby holder didn't have any function in the plot um but that was that was very early on I actually didn't have the awareness that um, if the movie is like feminist or something, I didn't right. really think that. Yeah. The, just a little experiment. One of the things that sort of strikes me as well, in terms of you studying, in terms of like studying so hard, and obviously you're a great student, but also was studying a way of rebelling because in a sense, if you kept on getting these great grades, you were then allowed the sort of like leeway, creative freedom to go in and explore your other interests and did that in a sense make you study harder and become a better student yeah yeah it definitely had I've I've actually thought a lot about that lately because I'm in quarantine and I'm reflecting back on my earlier life so that's like such a dilemma and um but yeah but I think it kind of makes sense that was kind of like maybe that was I guess that was my choice I had I 
I had another choice, which is to rebel completely and just not like not kind of like not having a contract with my parents and just break everything and just do whatever I wanted. But I chose to like maintain that con contract, which is um, I did what they wanted me to do. So they gave me <laughs> some freedom, right. I guess. But actually, I don't I don't know if I have another choice because I never want to like make them hate me because <laughs> I love them. And just going back to you studying um, psychology, I just wondered the relationship between you in terms of reading that um, psychological um, literature, uh, making your films. I mean, what drew you in the first place to um, psychology? Um, I think even now I'm still really interested in psychology. It's it's something about the human mind. Um, I had... Um, I, ch I, I chose psychology in college. So in, uh, as a teenager, I started to have, um, like, I wouldn't call them really mental issues, but maybe they are, maybe they were, I would, I would say they were. Um, and my closest friends near me also had similar issues. I had a friend who, I had two friends who attempted suicide. Luckily, neither of them succeeded. And I had two really close friends who were in an abusive relationship. Like as, as like in middle school, they were really, really abusive towards each other. I was so shocked by that. Mm. But their relationship lasted until college. So was, they actually had love. Right. And I was really confused about those things. I really wanted to explore. And I also, I think also historical figures like Nietzsche and like Jim Morrison, Kurt Cobain kind of became my case studies, I would say. Right. Because people who are living, they can always change. But people who passed away, um, like everything about them are kind of written, if not discovered. Mm. So I just felt like I read, I read so much about their life, trying to figure out who they were when they were alive. And... Just like these studies made me really interested in how a person comes to be and how the upbringing, everything around this person, well, and the biological constructs make the make make a person who they are, and like that's not even enough. And that person would interact with all the other people around them, mm. and these interactions, I'm just, sometimes I'm scared thinking about that, but I was just really fascinated by human minds. Mm. I'm still kind of scared by that. That's why I stopped doing psychology, I think, because I wanted to go into therapy. Um, 
because I I did I did I did therapies like um psychological uh, consulting I always forgot forget the English term like consulting myself right. and going into the sessions like I I was the patient but I could like I found it interesting to actually like of the process of digging up what is what the problem is and all that like I felt painful but I also felt interesting <laughs> it was really weird but yeah I didn't think I could do it as a profession because sometimes it just feels too huge but luckily I feel like I feel directing is very much playing a therapist in a in a fictional world so that things are not that serious so I wouldn't get freaked out what I find interesting again about those sort of figures you mentioned Jim Morrison um Kurt Cobain and uh, Nietzsche um is that there are quite sort of like tragic characters and I th- especially with like Nietzsche who is um a, a philosopher but dealt with great um, sickness throughout his life. I mean, he was invalided um, a lot and, and struggled um, with his own sort of romantic uh, relationships. And then, um, from what I um, remember reading Nietzsche, he goes out um, to the forest, I think, and he starts communicating with nature and, and foxes and stuff. And I guess that goes back to um, Antichrist and Lars von Trier and this sort of, like, sort of circular mm-hmm. logic of playing out these um, sort of psychodramas. Um, I just and also I guess like Nietzsche and Kurt Cobain and uh, Jim Morrison, a lot of their own sort of like personal failings um, fed into their own art and made them that more alluring in a sense. They managed to find a way to sort of work through their own sort of like damage and turn it into art. And I guess as my uh, my question to you in terms of like what are the sort of like key things um, for you with your own. Uh, work that you will continue to sort of uh, explore in that regard? I think it has changed. Mm. As in before, because I was so heavily influenced by them. Um, there are some, and, and, and later on, there are some Asian directors who and, and writers who are also like that kind of self-destructive in order to make art or just let themselves burn um, without any control in order to find like the truest things. Um, and I, I think I want it to be that and I was, I was thinking, like, I would fascin- fantasize about dying at age 27. <laughs> it's so crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've changed for sure as my taste also changed a lot. And, like, my favorite filmmakers changed as mm-hmm. well. Um, I realized that I could explore that world in what I make I don't have to live that Mm. and moreover it's less sustainable to live that life than 
to create worlds mm. so that I can live a lot of lives in my work. Um, like my favorite filmmakers now, um, this Korean director called Lee Chang Dong right. and um, like Michael Haneke, mm. they're all. I think they're all very sustainable. They don't do a lot of work, but they explore very dark minds and very destructive stories in their work. But in real life, they're very sane and um, strong people. Mm -hmm. I think, like, since quarantine, which is pretty much after I finished everything with Kindling, um, I started cause I can't do anything else. I started writing a lot. Yeah. I wrote so far, I wrote a feature and a short script and I'm working on the, like con conceptualizing another feature. And I, re I realized they're like very different stories, mm -hmm. although the, they have two similarities. One is they're all set in my hometown or around that area. Another is like, be it a woman or a man, a grown up or a, or a kid. It's always about a person who is trapped in this web of like, um, is like twisted intimate relationships, usually family relationship mm. and this um, authoritarian society or authoritarian ruling that that is like like class that has classism, that has sexism, that has racism is not really a thing that gets talked a lot about in China because it's like it has like the main part doesn't the majority doesn't have that many races but actually it's very sexist China mm. China is very sexist um and oh and also this person is also trapped by their own self that mm. has been corrupted by the intimate relationships and by the society and they're just struggling in that web and right. trying to find trying to find freedom I feel like I've yeah and I've like kind of kind of finally found a way to express things that I um, that I've experienced mm -hmm. when I was younger through I guess through other people's lives what sort of interests me as well in terms of you spoke about your tastes uh, changing and you making that trip from uh, China to a very particular part of America um, to LA to study an MFA in film production at the University of Southern California um, uh, am I right in thinking that you applied for and got the John N. Chu uh, Cinematic uh, Scholarship in order to, t to attend um, the University of Southern California? Oh, yeah. Um, I, didn't, I didn't get the scholarship right. the, fir 
the first year, I actually got another scholarship. But like, I'm so grateful that I have these scholarships. And also I do assistant teaching Mm. at school um, because as an international student, I can't work. Um, So my first year, um, first, my parents always really wanted me to get an MFA. Uh, And at that time, I was doing production design, which is a much more stable job than writing, directing. Mm. And going into USC, I knew I was going to do writing, directing, but they didn't know. They right. thought, because USC is very um, like famous for how commercialized it is. Mm. So they, they thought I could get into producing or... Uh, like an office job as in producing, not, not independent producing or production design also for a company, something yeah. steady. So they, they, um, were really happy to sponsor me. Um, but then after the first year, they realized it's like, I, I wanted to do this I wanted to choose this very risky job Mm. um also for the first year as an international student they didn't allow us to apply for scholarships like when when we get into the school Mm -hmm. which I was (laughs) was really mad about um but luckily with the scholarships and teaching assistantship Mm. which has which has scholarship with the job salaries, Mm. um, I was able to like fund a lot of my tuition and, but still making movies is still so damn expensive. Mm. I'm like, like right, like currently I'm struggling with like how to fund my next films. Um, but I think I got lucky again with Kindly, um, even though I didn't write it, but it was produced, it was made in a class where where the school funds the film mm-hmm. almost entirely. I had to fund a little more for for the like post post production, like music rights and festival festivals. Um, but not not really during production. So so yeah, I was able to make it. I guess that's why, like maybe you would find kindling kind of different from what I described. My taste is because I didn't write it. And that's something I wanted to sort of pick up um, with you. Um, so about sort of like kindling. I mean, it was written by. Uh, Sheridan Watson. Um, mm-hmm. So, how did you two first meet, and what made you want to collaborate with her on this project? Uh, so, for the class, um, everybody submit. Everybody submits a directing reel, and the school and, and like the writers would submit scripts, and the school picks like ten directors and ten scripts something like that, maybe 12, maybe right. eight. Um, and 
I got sent all the scripts <clears throat> to kind of see if there's one that I want to direct, and that, and then I would have to pitch pitch it, mm-hmm. pitch to the school. Um, yeah, the, this kindling was the only script that spoke to me. Actually, like it's very it's very different from my my own writing but it has like a striking similarity to a friendship of mine right. um in 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 the when i was like when i just started working after after college and i was doing really badly financially and I met this friend. We're still friends now. And like both of us are like like much better in a much better status than back then. Um yeah, so it really spoke to me as like I thought I I, I could see myself in it. Mm. That's why I can direct it. So and then I talked to Sheridan. Literally we had the same like our styles are still very different I would say like she's a very I actually I didn't really read her other works I think I read like excerpts of her work she's great at um more like snarky and witty and comedy stuff Mm -hmm. and I think she and then more like a TV materials or more lighthearted movie materials. While while I'm like much more maybe like less fun and more serious. But we really like our thinking about the essence of the film was exactly the same. Right. And we just really liked each other like doing the work and yeah I just went to I just went to pitch it and I remember after because she went to the pitch as well I remember after we got out she told me even if I didn't get picked Mm. she would still want me to direct Kinley and I was really really touched so just for people who haven't seen the, the film and they don't really know what it's about, um, could you just give like a little, um, I guess, a little pitch um, to people about what the particular film's about and, and what it sort of deals with? Yeah, um, I would say it's about reconnection during a woman's most vulnerable time. So it's, it's about like... Um, how, how two estranged childhood best friends um, argue about what they were and what they who they were and what they have become when one drives the other to get an abortion. And I think it's it's very simple. It's just it doesn't have a lot of um, plot. It's not plot driven. It's just about their relationship. And I would say it's also about specifically women's relationships that are 
that are majoritively friendship, but they're so close that there's also a sense of family and there's also some romance in it. Um, so when you first read the script, did you give Sheridan any notes of feedback? When I first read it, yeah, for sure. I We definitely... We, we had a long time of developing the script together. I remember um, at the beginning, the script had a lot more, I think it was, it had a lot more plot lines um, and a lot more dialogues. And like, I guess, oh, because the school really wants the film to be under 12 minutes without the credits with under 12 minutes yeah and we started with because i knew that i my filmmaking is like very slow paced uh even during fast moments i would like focus on a lot of like like if she writes a line that would take like maybe 20 30 seconds or something while it should be one second line um like it could so we communicated and i showed her my past work Mm. i said um like this many lines is just not gonna fit and um well to to be on the safe side we still shot we we definitely cut down the lines um during script development. Right. Um, but we didn't cut, we still left some scenes there and we shot them, but kind of like as expected, <laughs> we couldn't fit them in. Mm. And I think it's it's better and tighter mm. this way with the final results. Like these plot lines, um, they, would, they would elevate the stakes and such. But I think for the emotions, they don't have to be there. And I just wondered from that initial reading, what do you think was the most challenging aspect of the story for you as a director? Um, I think it was definitely because how American the script is. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Yeah, and... um, because I, I, yeah, I felt really challenged by that. Um, and I wanted to, I like sort of suggested if I could make it to like, like an Asian story. Um, but then I really thought about it. So first, if I make it an Asian story, it would be Asian American Mm. because it would be, like very like the cultural context is would be completely different about abortions yeah. and about and about like driving to get an abortion like if it were in China and it would just not make sense the entire story wouldn't exist and if it's asian american it's still like a culture that i that i'm not familiar with mm-hmm. um and on the other side, um, what's really American about it is like the road trip, the mm. um, the 
trailer park that they grew up with, the sorority house. Um, I felt like it's also because also the 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 class that I was in, it's supposed to be a very because the school funds it and the school's biggest purpose is for everybody to have a good filmmaking experience like mm-hmm. as part of our education. So even if I was still the director, I would I can call the shots while making the film. I couldn't really change it so mm-hmm. so much that like it doesn't work for the screenwriter. Right. the producers anymore um so i just thought like i'll just i'll just do it because um a lot of asian directors like asian asian directors who are from asia born and raised in asia direct american movies so mm. i guess i i would try it out too i I was reading up on Anne Lee mm, and yeah. encouraging myself. Um, and I guess like this is what's interesting about sort of like a language barrier is that we may not understand each other, but I guess like um, emotionally, I want to say it's a broad brush strokes here, that emotionally, even though we can't understand each other, maybe sort of verbally, emotionally, we get that, you know, we see a particular scene sort of like play out and universally there's certain things that we all sort of like connect with. And it's, I guess like it's finding that universal um emotionality uh, if that's even a word um which sort of transcends language and i guess that that's the beauty of film in terms of the emotion and the visual image is always going to be inviting yeah 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 totally and he also i think i think he he was able to speak english but not perfectly right. not that well especially that movie was a period piece mm. and he lived in America, not in the UK, so he didn't really understand mm-hmm. like British period history. It was really hard for him, uh, knowledge-wise. Um, but I also I also heard about Brobeck when he directed Brobeck Mountain. Um, he grew up in this very traditional Taiwanese family, mm. and he he d- decided to direct Brobeck Mountain after his father passed away Mm. like before he's always said no to the project because he thought he wouldn't be able to relate to um like he wouldn't be the best person to direct homosexuality between between two cowboys yeah um but then he said after his father passed away he suddenly felt he could do the movie that he translated the sadness um, <clears throat> and like complicated mm. feelings between him and his father, who has always been against him making films yeah. and like the aftermath of his death into making Brobeck Mountain, which is really, I thought it was really magical mm. how emotions can translate that way. I just kind of wanted to get your hot take in a little bit. And we sort of mentioned him before. So John Men Chu um, is probably best known for directing Crazy Rich Asians. Um, I mean, what do you think uh, of that film? And what do you think of sort of like the representation of Asian characters, especially at a time when uh, representation, uh, diversity, equality are very at the forefront of people's minds? 
I first I want to say maybe I'm not in the best position to mm. say this because because I'm not Singaporean right. and I know like I have I think I talk to Singaporean friends and they didn't really like it they told me something about the accent is not right and even though there are like really rich families in Singapore it's not like the only thing and mm -hmm. they were kind of upset that it's like exaggerated right. um the richness of of Singaporeans and even it was named a crazy rich Asian so like everybody thought Asians were rich and mm -hmm. they were offended um for me I didn't I don't really get the impression like nobody around me said oh you must be rich because you're Asian right. I never actually experienced that I guess you would have to like show some richness for people to say that in the first place yeah. um and um i i i i enjoyed the film and it was very it was traditional hollywood blockbuster writing mm. and and filmmaking but i think it's something um Yeah, I was I was definitely not offended by it, and I think just like every other um, fight for representation, it's like I think um, so. Crazy rich Asians, it's a world where there there are exclusively Asians, and I I don't think it's I personally like. Um, how do I say this? Uh, for minorities to be seen in that way, right. I've uh, Moonlight created a like a new kind of like I think Moonlight was the first like American movie where there was exclusively mm, black people. I, uh, actually, I can't say that. I don't have that much knowledge in the history but i i'm i'm glad to see like this world is exclusively asian mm. um without you know people are dealing with life in their asian community yeah. like we've got a lot going on we're not fighting for equality outside of the world we're not competing with mm. like Resor for resources or something it's just like a like a portrait of what asian like these what these people do like like i feel like it's more like seeing a movie completely asian normalizes things yeah but i guess the downside would be they are too rich i guess ah uh, Um, I, th I mean, I think from my point of view, like I've been enjoying Asian cinema for years, so I'm very used to seeing all Asian casts and reading sort of subtitles. Mm -hmm. I guess it's just like when they're sort of transferring that across to sort of a North American 
uh, market. And I guess like I, for me, I feel it's sort of treated like a little bit unfairly um, because essentially you could say um, it's a little bit more palatable version <laughs> of say Sex in the City because again, that's that can be seen as problematic. It is a work of fantasy, yet it mm. has got ardent sort of capitalism in there whether you like that or you don't like that essentially is a piece of frothy escapists sort of entertainment that perhaps shouldn't be taken so seriously and i guess in terms of representation um you know films can't be a sort of like a swiss army knife there can't be all things to all people sometimes you do need like a particular vision and it is fine to have like an all white cast or black cast or white i guess the only mm -hmm. problem comes in when it's sort of exclusively um, those things where there isn't the option or the choice to engage in different cultures as well. And I guess um, you're you're right in terms of like painting crazy rich Asians. I mean, there's great swathes of poverty throughout um, Asia. There's, you know, great swaths of um, people that live um, rurally, far away from these highly mechanised um, cities. But you simply can't ask a film yeah. like that to address any of those kind of issues. Yeah. Yeah, so it is a bit, it's, it's a tricky, I think it is a sort of tricky sort of like subject matter and you can get very lost in the weeds of um, of that, of like politically what these things sort of like say and what they do and how people um, interact with them um, to an extent, I think. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I feel like as a piece of entertainment, it, it offers, it offers plenty, but if... Yeah, but it. I think it stops at mm. being a piece of entertainment. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I would, and I would say, um, in terms of speaking English for the entire cast, mm. um, I would say if this movie was set in Japan or Korea or China, I yeah. would say it's total bullshit because that would be totally untrue however like <laughs> however i think because like my singaporean mm. friends they are all kind of used to speaking english mm. even though they are able to speak mandarin or other languages their go-to language is indeed english yeah. so like um, so yeah, I guess it's like it's better. <laughs> it was a good choice. Touching on that sort of stuff, I just want to sort of like draw a comparison um, with you and like in terms of your director's statement, you wrote about the male gaze and how it's been trying to define and portray women's relationships in black and white words. And I just wondered in terms of you approaching this film and also I wanted to call attention to a particular scene where um, Piper and Celeste are drunkenly reassessing a relationship in that hotel room and how you um, you were sort of thinking about that and how that sort of like translated on the screen for you as a filmmaker. I think um, so I, I think in that scene there's I would say a lot of not a lot of there was some sexual tension between Piper and Celeste and um, and I openly shared that with the two actresses and I shared my past experience as well like because um, I feel um, Piper and Celeste um, given how close they are they must have and they they grew up together 
they must have explored each other's bodies Mm -hmm. in some way because I did. And I talked to my friends and they did. And, um, I feel like because I believe sexuality is fluid, I wouldn't, I wouldn't really define Piper and Celeste as heterosexual or bisexual. Mm-hmm. But the tension is there. Um, and this, I guess this youthful um, impulse is there. Um, because I think like two women who are attracted by each other's beauty and energy mm-hmm. is a very common thing like in like like in women's know- knowledge right and like I and my friends we would totally normalize it and without labeling it um like I think, for example, personally, I'm not a huge fan of Thelma and Louise, which is weird because, um, like people try to, when people write Kindling, they're like, ah, it's, it's like Thelma and Louise, but Thelma and Louise is such a tragedy, like it's such a tragedy, Mm. um, these two women, they are like, so they're like strictly, purely friends because they are strictly, purely straight right. and they um, have sexual relationships, romantic relationships with guys. Um, and eventually they had to kill themselves to survive, which is, I think, like, like, I guess like, um, it's a very desperate Mm. portrait of women's situation in the world. Um, but I, um, and a, a positive example would be portrait of a lady on fire. Right. It's a, Yes, indeed, it's a, it's a, like, these two women definitely like women. Mm-hmm. It's very clear. Um, but I feel like there's this certain fluidity in it that I would, that, like, they, I think both of them went, went on to marry men as mm-hmm. traditionally accepted by the society and they had kids and all that, and they enjoyed their family life, but they still loved each other, Mm. um, that they hold um, this note in her hand in the portrait or something. Um, And it's just, it's just very human. Like I, I, I wouldn't straight up label them as, oh, these two women are bisexual. Mm. Because maybe in their lives, they've only loved this one woman. Yeah. Um, 
and maybe all the other encounters are with men. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just it's just love and it's just chemistry between two people. Um, but um, I found when I talk to my fellow male filmmakers, a lot of the times, um, I think um, they sort of tend to label things a lot, right. which is, I'm not saying that's bad. I mean, that's just like their way of looking at things. Um, and I've seen movies about women in the history of filmmaking that are heavily labeled. Um, like, I think Blue is the Warmest Color was directed by a male director. Was, yeah. I loved, yeah, I loved the film, but it's so exclusively um, lesbian, which there's nothing wrong with that. Mm. Um, it's just like, I just want it to add to the variety that thinks that sometimes that from my point of view, things are not that black and white. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause I feel, um, as I was growing up, I got confused when I kissed my girlfriends. Right. Does it mean I'm like when we shower together and when we like, I don't know, like we would try go to the same uh fitting room mm. and we just we just both naked in the room and we're like looking at the how the clothes fit on each other's bodies like and i felt like something that is not friendship i felt attracted right. to my friend but but then like there's something but it's like a mixture of things it doesn't mean that i want to immediately date my friend yeah, so, and I felt like there's a lack of that content that guided me. That's why I was confused. Um, and I and I don't, I think these kind of representations should be there so that people are not that confused. And I guess what's it sort of interesting um, as well is like, because I guess if we define things as sort of male and female and, and the gays, and then I sort of like break it down to, well, you know, just listening to you talk about your particular experience and your point of view, irrespective of, of, of gender, I've been given an opportunity to see in a sort of fictionalised way, but your point of view of how you see something, like that's, it, that's particular to, to you and any a number of female directors may have directed or thought about that in a different way. And I guess that's what's nice is about hearing your particular viewpoint and your your thoughts um, on that and how you've sort of um, sort of approached it within your own work and, and life. Um, with that in mind, like who was the first person that you showed the finished uh, short film to and what was the sort of feedback did you get from them? So in the class we had to, in the class we had to screen our like dailies and cuts mm-hmm. every week. I think every week, but towards the end of it, it definitely it was my editors and the editing teacher who right. saw it first for sure. And I think, I don't know who first, it could be my roommates, right? which is 
the person that I had a similar relationship with. It could be her, but it also could be my boyfriend because I was maybe a little too scared to show it to my roommates. Yeah, yeah. But I remember so clearly that after I showed it to my roommate, she was not able to give me feedback. And we kind of just digressed and talked about other stuff. And I was really nervous for a long time. Um, It was not until like maybe like during quarantine because we're quarantined together. We talked about it again and then she shared her thoughts that are not because she studied film studies and she's now a TV, TV writer, a staff writer. And like back then she gave me like filmmaking notes and, and stuff. Mm. Uh, But she shared like her personal feelings with me lately. And yeah, I was really, really happy that, that she did. I would say somehow she was Piper and I was Celeste, but not, but we also had like a bit of the other character as well. And certainly our like exact experience was different because of, I think because of like the sexual tension and like that kind of stuff that I added, I was not sure if she if that ran true to her as well even though I was like emotionally sure but like she never said so but then she agreed like she's kind of like shared that okay like that was very true to her yeah and also I think the most encouraging that she said was because for a while I was um thinking because I didn't write kindling I didn't feel like I was afraid that it was not it doesn't show enough of my filmmaking or me in it but she said she she saw a lot of a lot of me in the film I just want to pick up on that last point in terms of because I know in 2018 you wrote and directed three uh, short films and I wonder if there was sort of uh, back to back I mean that's a lot of creative output but I guess my question is is that when you're and I guess to a larger extent um, I guess which you'll be sort of confronted with you might not always be able to sort of write and direct to take on somebody else's um, project and your emotional connection to that versus the ones that you've incubated sort of creatively you've written and, and directed does it feel different to you does it feel like having like a sort of like a ghost limb sort of like out there that yet something of you but you doesn't feel sort of entirely whole in a weird way I would say because it is a challenge especially when I started doing it and um it was the first time that I did it uh at first it it did feel like that mm. I like I exaggerated the distance rather than the uh, how related it can be. Um, but later on, um, especially um, when when rehearse when casting and rehearsals happened, mm-hmm. I felt things became 
a lot smoother when I kind of like accepted accepted the film and myself sort of like I had to integrate kind of like I'm the mother and the film is a baby and I would I have to um, find I have to find and focus on the connection between us and carry on only focusing on that throughout the filmmaking journey and I think that is to like not not everything will relate but there there are a lot of things that relate that's why I chose the film and I think going forward I wouldn't say I'm able to direct anything that other people write but as long as I can find something in it that I can connect to, I think I'm able to direct it. And it was a good practice for me. And just sort of the last sort of question on a kindling I have for you. I mean, how will you personally and professionally measure the success of the film? I think it's, it's still in the festival run. It's been like two months or something since it started um so i don't know where it will go in until like i think january or april was the last festival i submitted to so i definitely hope it goes to like more and bigger festivals and all that um but I also, um, I think it's definitely good if it gives me some sort of like a starting point as a as a filmmaker. Mm. But um, I, I think my biggest uh, hope on this film is not for itself to um, like get like really good distribution or something, mm. but. Um, it, I think in me, it, I would be really appreciative. It gets more success in the festival, uh, festivals or um, online platforms so that like not just me, but the entire team um, gets something out of it, especially a bunch of us are applying to visas. Right. So like um, realistically, we need that. Um but um, on my, in terms of my filmmaking career, I hope it could be like something in my hand that I can show to future collaborators and like investors and such to help me make my next films. And, and just sort of following on from that, I mean, what can you tell me about uh, Phantom, which I believe is coming out in 2021, which is a feature film you're co-directing for USC Warner Brothers at the moment? Um, it's, it's, uh, it sadly got postponed. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Um, the production. Yeah. Because of, we were gonna, uh, we originally, we were going to shoot it in March. Everything mm-hmm. was in place. We're going to production. Then like three days before the production, the lockdown mm-hmm. happened in Los Angeles. And then we postponed to July. 
Yeah. Then got pushed to August. And I think maybe like two weeks ago, we got notified. Maybe one week ago, we got notified like this will be pushed to like the winter or maybe right. next year or or we don't know anymore. Gosh, I'm sorry to hear that. I mean, I know LA because I have a friend who lives out there has been especially hit hard um, with the lockdown um, because I think you've been out of it a couple of times. Um, I think now you're in a state of lockdown as well. Yeah, yeah. it. Yeah, these things happened. Um, yeah, the, the curfew, uh, not the curfew, the lockdown was lifted for some time. So we thought we couldn't make films. Yeah. But then... Um, things got a lot more serious i don't think it was because of the of the protesting it was literally because how careless people are mm. because protesting is good like i hate i hate it when people blame that i think it's more about having parties and <laughs> going to the restaurants yeah. and stuff like that um, so I just wanted to sort of ask you what your dream project uh, is if money and time wasn't an issue. Um, it would definitely be the feature that I just finished mm-hmm. a new draft of. Um, it's about this, it's set in my hometown and it's about this penniless DJ who chases after a privileged theater director by pretending to be what he's not in order to blend into her life. Right. Um, and kind of, and this, this film is about like how these two people use each other to make something, to get something to prove to people around them that they are, more capable than people think they are. Mm-hmm. It's, um, I, I thought of it, I, I started thinking of it as a pretty contained piece. I wanted it to be a love story and with, with some family elements, elements. Um, but after I wrote it, it got like, it became, quite big there are theater numbers and stuff although that's experimental theater but still like wrote a like a few like one actual um scene of the play and a, a lot of scenes of the rehearsal which is like um because i wanted to um i wanted to intertwine the scenes in the play with the main character, the DJ's life Mm. and have a sense of like magical realism. Um, But yeah, it got like pretty complicated and I would assume that it needs a lot of money (laughs) for a first time feature director. It will be, it will be hard. One of the things that struck me when I was watching your quarantines, I think that's how you pronounce it, a short film that you made recently, um, was I think one of the things was like, am I writing about something, about a, a past in a way? 
um, especially with like DJs and live music about what that's going to look like in the next two to three years. And it's almost in a way, yeah. it's sort of interesting that you're almost like writing a period piece in a way of like a, a life and a way of life that kind of like doesn't, what well, doesn't exist at the moment. And, and will it, I mean, I'm optimistic. Hopefully things will go back to normal, but it is interesting when we think creatively that we have a very sort of defined view on life and how things work, which has been fundamentally sort of like smashed to its um, core in a way. Um, and I wondered in terms of, I guess, like the DJ and the musical element, is that something that you've sort of thought about as you continue to sort of like develop and, and, and write the project? Yeah, yeah. I've, I've definitely thought a lot about that and um, been thinking about, I've also applied to like labs and grants mm -hmm. and um, I kind of expressed that uh, I would love to write at least one version of this script where... Um, where things are more adapted to the new reality and incorporate um, these things that you just talked about um, so that the movie has like more awareness of what, what has happened recently. Um, but I also, but I feel like I'm maybe I, maybe I would, rather play with the nostalgic part yeah. like um because i find myself sometimes i watch a movie and a movie made definitely pre-quarantine and i see the group scenes and stuff and i feel so nostalgic like i'd rather watch something like that versus um uh, people being isolated yeah. like when I'm isolated. Um, so that could be a possibility, but, um, but I think most importantly, most importantly, what I can do right now is to flush out the core. Um, and I feel like a lot of the more detailed elements I need to, go back to China and be in the world to, to really, to really build the, the body of the film right. and, and see what exactly is there. Like, um, because I don't read, maybe I don't necessarily see what it's like exactly from far away here. Um, my final, uh, my final, final, final question for you is, um, where can people check you out and where can they see your film work? Um, that would be my Vimeo. <laughs> and uh, let me think. I haven't published... I haven't published... Uh, I haven't published Kindling or I, I've got a trailer on there. Yeah. And um, I think I will publish my past films pretty soon because they're finishing up the festival run um i would put it out there right now if if i didn't have to collect like festivals for my visa application right. um but yeah like if anything um 
I would post maybe excerpts, trailers on my Vimeo account. And I'm talking to, in terms of kindling, I'm talking to distributors, but that will come into play after the festival run, which is next spring. (laughs) That's a long time. So there you have it. I had a great time chatting with Shinzi. And you can check out Kindling and Shinji's other short film projects on Vimeo at vimeo.com forward slash Shinji Zoo. Just hit the link in the description box below. And don't forget to check out more great content on aruba.com. From film reviews, video game hot takes, top 10 videos. And why not sign up and become a member and share your passion for all things entertainment on aruba.com today. And you can like and subscribe to I Was Just Wondering with Tom Salmon on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify and YouTube and maybe leave a comment or review if you like. And you can support the podcast on Subscribestar at www.subscribestar.com forward slash I Was Just Wondering with Tom Salmon right now. Thank you so much for listening. I've been Tom and I'll catch up with you next episode.